We're glad that you are here in the house of the Lord to uh, share this time together of worship and, and celebration. And we hope God's going to bless you in a very special way. We welcome our guests, especially this morning, and hope that God will be blessing you and hope that you'll feel a, a part of our family today as we worship the Lord together. One of the things we like to do is spend a moment of greeting each other. So let me invite you to stand up and turn around, shake the hands of, of the people around you. Find somebody you don't know or don't know very well and introduce yourself. Thank you so much. Just uh, thank you very much. We want to call to your attention a few announcements this morning. First of all, there is a white Chevy Malibu in the parking lot that has the trunk open. I don't know uh, if it's for a reason or not, uh, or if you want to wait, that'll be fine. But I just want to let you know that. A few other things that uh, need to call to your attention. Our attendance sheets, I'd like to remind everybody about that on the on the inside of each row. Um, on our clipboards there, we'd like to ask if you would to take that and fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. We'd certainly appreciate that. And also, um, several things are happening this week. On Saturday, a group of us are going to Lexington uh, to the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. There's a workshop up there. Uh, that uh, that will be covering several different areas, teaching adults, teaching children, media, you know, a lot of different things will be covered there. And we'd like to in- encourage anybody who wants to go to go. Um, we've got about five people that are signed up right now. And if you would like to go, uh, please let me know. The cost of that will be about $20 per person. And uh, please let me know between now and, and uh, Friday so that we can make sure that, uh, that you're, you're covered and, and um, we'll get you up there on Saturday morning. Also, on Friday evening, there is a benefit uh, auction and dinner for Habitat for Humanity down at Wolf's Convention Center. And if you would like a ticket for that, uh, I have tickets, and you can see me. The cost of that is $40, and that incur- uh, includes a uh, reception beforehand with some hors d'oeuvres and things and a, um, a silent auction and then a full dinner as well with a live auction and entertainment. And so it covers a lot, and it's well worth it, and it's a good contribution to a wonderful, wonderful ministry. So if you'd like to go, please see me, and I can get you a ticket. Today is another day. We're going to be pretty busy today, folks. Uh, we have elected uh, new ministry teams as of this week, and we want to get off to a good start. And so this week and next week, we're going to have a series of meetings for the, the teams to meet together and get organized. And so today at 3 o'clock, we're going to have the recreation team meeting, and at 4.15, the ministry and missions team meeting, and at 5.30, the worship team meeting. And so if you're part of one of those teams, then then come on together. And I think the food and, uh, the food and, and uh, social ministry is going to meet at 3 o'clock as well. Uh, but there's no, there's no conflict with the recreation team there. Um, so if you're part of one of those teams, then please come and be a part of that so we can get this year started off to a, a, a good start. One other very important thing today, it's a, it's a very important day in the life of one of our church members. Helen Barnett is 83 years old today. And I think we need to sing happy birthday to her. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Helen. Happy birthday to you. Bless you, Helen. Let us join together for our call to prayer, which is a responsive reading printed in your your worship folder. Anyone who sets himself up as religious... By by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air.
Let us pray together. Speak to us, O God. We have come to hear your word proclaimed. And so we pray that you would convince us of our sin and remind us of your forgiving grace. Rebuke our pride and our selfishness and replace them with your humility and love. Encourage our hesitant faith and increase our confidence in your eternal truth. Show us, O God, the areas of our lives where we knowingly or unknowingly contribute to injustice for others. And help us to repent of that so that all of your children across the world may be properly cared for. We pray that we would make this hour a time of commitment so that each of us may go from here equipped for every good work, for your glory and your glory alone. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. seated. Boys and girls, uh, we want you to come up here and get a chance to have your special time this morning. Looks like Brother Robert is going to be sharing with us. If you want to come to this area, if you want someone to help you, I'd be glad to have them do that. If you've never been here before and want a friend to do that, that would be great. I just want you to know I'm really looking forward to doing Children's Moment this morning, and I think it's going to be just a really good one, and I think you're really going to get a lot out of this. And I want you to know that this is not anything off the cuff. This is prepared. And I spent a lot of time this week putting this Children's Moment together. What? Wait a minute. That's my fault. Oh, excuse me. Let me. I know you're not supposed to have a cell phone on church, but let me get this. Uh, hello. Scott. I better answer this. I, just, just you all hold on. Let me. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great here. You know I'm here at Community Baptist and uh, getting ready to do Children's Moment here in just a second. So uh, really don't have a lot of time, but... Um, uh, Maybe I could call you back in a few minutes because I, I really, I've got a lot of effort put into this and we've got a, you know, preacher here, Dr. Hobbs, he doesn't get his time. He gets pretty, pretty antsy. So, um, what, what's going on? Do what now? You, you, you want me to change? Uh, what do you mean? You, you don't you don't want me to do what I had planned to do. <laughs> well, 
Uh, let me tell you what, I don't have a backup plan. You got, a, you got anything in mind? I uh, just trust you. Now, no, wait a minute. You sure now? Yeah. All right, I'm going to do this. But Oh, I put a lot of effort into this. I, I'm not real happy about this. I'm going to tell you this right now. Wow. Well, that was God. He said, do away with this. A lot of effort went into that, so... And he said, move that silly box in front of you there. But I'm going to do that too. Well, here I am now. I, you know, I really don't have anything uh, as a backup here, but uh, this kind of reminds me of a story that I heard one time, and, and it was a great story. It made a lot of sense to me. This, uh, this young minister, he was on his way to church one morning. And he had been—he was working, uh, preaching in a little rural church, and he hadn't been there but about two or three months, so he was still kind of in his trial period, I guess you would say. So, on the way to church, he was uh, very confident in his sermon. He had his sermon up on the dashboard of the truck or the car; it was all typed out, and his notes and everything was ready. They were ready. He also was, he had a tape in his CD. He was listening to his sermon because he really prepared during the week to be ready for church. So he was listening to the tape, had his sermon outline up there on the, on the dashboard. And at the closer he got to church, though, guess what? All of a sudden, he started having a really uneasy feeling. And it was as if God was speaking to him and telling him, this is not the sermon that I want you to do. Wow, you talk about a change. And when he got to the church, he was very nervous, and, and it seemed like everything was going by in a blur. The, the music, uh, uh, the offering was taken up, and then it was his time to come up and, and deliver the sermon. And he thought, what am I going to do? I don't, I don't have anything to, to, to talk about, to preach about. What, what will I do? And, and he hesitated a moment. And he said, God, talk to me because I'm going to be really embarrassed here. I'm going to fall flat on my face in front of my congregation. They're really going to think, you know, that I didn't prepare anything. So what he did, he took his sermon and he just tossed it aside. And he told his congregation, I have a change in plans today. God has talked to me. God has laid upon me another direction here that he wants me to go today. And so this minister, he thought, well, I don't have my, my church notes in front of me. So he stepped from behind the pulpit. Now, you know, for a minister, a pulpit represents, I think, some security. That's kind of like their little home in church. That's where they can put their minister's notes up there. That's where they can kind of lean on that. That's where they can cross their feet in the back, you know, and we can't see that. That's their little security blanket there. So the preacher decided, well, I might as well just step out from behind that pulpit also. I don't have any sermon. To... So he knew that a number of his parishioners were going through some difficult times. They had had some bad things to happen. So he decided that instead of being behind the pulpit, and I would get down and on the floor with you all, but I don't think there are enough of you here to help pick me up. So the preacher went out among his members, and he... Our favorites box is back on the table out here, and it was gone a couple of Sundays, and I had people saying, hey, it's gone. And uh, so it's back now. So if you can uh, want to put your favorites, what we do on our favorite hymn where we have each service is one that has been chosen by somebody who just cause they like it, and they put it on a piece of paper. Now, we've had some kids or tenders who are sort of young, and I get their first name. <laughs> 
Uh, can't do that. I don't know of a hymn in those ways, but uh, you who do have one of those, you want to put that in there. We'll work it into our worship service as soon as we possibly can. Today's is uh, 138 at Calvary, first, second, and third verses of that. On our favorites, we let you remain seated as we do that. 138 at Calvary.
together here today. We thank you, Father, for the many blessings of the past week. You've been good to us, Father. You've provided this place for us today, this day for us to come to worship. We pray, our Heavenly Father, that there's someone through thy house that we might learn to be a better servant for thee, a better witness for thee, be more concerned about thee and thy love. Help us, Father, that we might love thee as you have loved us. We pray, our Heavenly Father, that you will be with us offering this morning. We pray, Father, that it will be used for the own glory of thy kingdom. Lead, guide, and direct each one that has been here today, that we might go out to be a better servant for thee. For we ask thee all in Christ's name. Amen.
Ancient words that are true, changing me, changing you. What a wonderful message that is. Let us hear some of these ancient words that are spoken. And it's our prayer that they would be life-changing words for all of us. Our scripture lesson for today comes from Luke chapter 18, the first eight verses. Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who feared neither God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will God, will not God grant justice to God's chosen ones who cry for justice day and night? Will God delay long in helping them? I tell you, God will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faithfulness on earth? This is the word of God for you and for me. Jess Moody, who is a pastor of First Baptist Church in West Palm Beach, Florida, needed a secluded place to study one night. And so he decided to go to the sound booth of his church. He was totally engrossed in his studies when suddenly he heard two teenage boys talking loudly and laughing and cursing in the sanctuary. Why don't you go up into that pulpit where that blankety-blank preacher gives his sermon, one of them said to the other, and ask those blankety-blank deacons to come up here and take up a blankety-blank offering so you can buy a new car? Well, as you can imagine, Pastor Moody was horrified by this. And he wasn't exactly sure what he should do, but then he remembered that he was in the church's sound booth, and so he turned up the volume on the church's sound system, and as the boys stood up there on the stage continuing to pretend to speech, to preach, and while cursing like sailors in his beautiful sanctuary, suddenly a voice boomed through the sound system saying, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You, have, you should have seen their faces, said Moody. They tucked their tails and ran, and all I saw were two shirt tails flying around the corner of the building. And then Jess Moody adds with tongue in cheek, those boys are now on the mission field having heard the call of God in the night. <laughs> Some of you may have seen a billboard that's popping up around the country. It features a simple black background with white text. And it has this stark message on it. Don't make me come down there. Signed, God. It's a part of an ad campaign that includes other supposed messages from God, such as, let's meet at my house on Sunday before the game. Signed, God. Or, what part of thou shalt not didn't you understand? Signed, God. And there are several others that are making the rounds, and and I don't know if that campaign is is making any difference or not. It's amusing, I suppose, but sometimes I wonder what kind of image of God it's portraying. And yet, I thought of that billboard, don't make me come down there, when I read today's lesson from Luke about the widow who kept harassing the judge. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them how they should always pray and never give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about anybody else, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my opponent. And for a while he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I fear, I do not fear God or care about anybody else, because this widow keeps pestering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she'll leave me alone. It's a wonderful story about not giving up. 
about persistence in prayer. But have you read the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say? Jesus continued and said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for God's chosen ones who cry out for justice day and night? Will God keep putting them off? I tell you, no. God will see that they get justice and get it quickly. Folks, this is a story not only about persistence in prayer, but it is a story about justice and about God's plan for God's world. In effect, Jesus is having God say in this parable, don't make me come down there because I will not ignore the cries of those who are being oppressed. And I will not ignore the cries of those who are being exploited. And I will not ignore the cries of those who are being abused. I will hear their prayers and I will not abide the injustice that they are experiencing. Now, I know that this is not a popular theme like persistence in prayer, but I want to talk about justice for a while this morning. I heard recently a story about two brothers named Billy and Bobby. A story will probably sound somewhat familiar to many of us because it is lived out in so many relationships that we see around us. Billy, the older brother, seems to have everything going for him. He's smart. He's popular. He's athletic. He's handsome. And he's always in charge at home. Usually anything he says goes. But Bobby, on the other hand, does not receive the blessings that we assume make for a happy life. He is mildly handicapped. He's shy. He's not athletic. Nothing comes easily for Bobby. And so Bobby always lives in the shadow of his big brother's successes. Well, one day, Billy and Bobby's mother made them cinnamon rolls for breakfast. And she made three cinnamon rolls for breakfast. And this was the boys' favorite treat. And so they each have one cinnamon roll, but it's not enough to satisfy their craving. And so when mom steps out of the room for a moment, Billy announces that he's taking the last cinnamon roll because he's older and he's smarter and he gets to choose. And so he snatches that roll off of the plate and devours it in front of his disappointed little brother. Well, this goes on for several days. Bobby becomes more and more frustrated. Now, before we go on any further, let's get one thing straight. Billy is not a bad person. And he's not really out to hurt his little brother. He's simply doing what most of us always do, and that was to, to look out for number one. And as is so often the case, we become so focused on our own fulfillment that we don't notice the injustices that we leave in our wake. And so Billy used his age and his strength to get what he wanted without looking out for the needs of his weaker brother. Well, the mother soon became wise to this situation, and she knows that it's important to treat both boys fairly, and she also understands that sometimes the Bobbies of our world need to be protected from the Billies of our world. And so the next time she fixed cinnamon rolls, she cut the third one in half and made sure that each boy got a half of the cinnamon roll. And by doing that, she ensured that they were both treated fairly and equally and that no resentment or aggression would spring up between them. Well, that's the way God is. That's the way it is with God. God is just. And it is God's will that the bobbies of life will be protected from the billies of life. That's what justice is. And it's a very important part of the biblical message. This woman in Jesus' parable came to the judge and pleaded with him to give her justice. Somebody was doing her wrong. And unfortunately, that was not that unusual in those days, nor is it unusual today. 
A widow in those days was particularly vulnerable to injustice and abuse. She had no influence in society. Her means of self-support were very limited. In fact, the Bible tells us many, many times that how one treated a widow or an orphan or a foreigner was and is a biblical test for faithfulness to God and to God's way. But this judge finally heeded her request. And Jesus says that the judge of the universe is like that judge, because one day God will set the world right. And one day God will intervene on behalf of the bobbies of the world so that they will no longer be taken advantage of by the billies. In fact, biblically, it is impossible to overstate this truth. God hates injustice. It is a constant theme all throughout the scriptures, but particularly in the writings of the prophets. God hates injustice. And here is what we need to see this morning. Since God hates injustice, God's people ought to hate injustice as well. History tells us that in the early 1900s, labor practices in Canada, just as they were here in the United States, were very harsh. Employees were required to work 70 or more hours every week for very low wages. Workers had no guaranteed vacation time and The inequities of the labor market led to riots and other forms of unrest. But there was a pastor who also happened to be a newspaper editor by the name of J.S. Woodsworth, who wrote an article calling for fair treatment and fair wages for laborers. And when the article was published, J.S. Woodsworth was arrested, thrown into jail. The next day, Woodsworth's paper issued another article about the labor situation in Canada, and the title of this article was this, Editor Arrested for Quoting the Prophet Isaiah. (laughs) Woodsworth wrote that his earlier article had been based entirely on the ideas of justice and equality and mercy found in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. So these were not his ideas that he was thrown into jail for. They were God's ideas. Because God cares about justice. Folks, there are two things that we need to understand today. And that is that God hates all forms of injustice. And and God calls for God's people to hate injustice as well. And we've seen it here in our own country. We allowed racial injustice to fester like an infected wound for 200 years or more. And it may be another 200 years before we can finally finish dealing with the consequences of that injustice. And I'm no Mideast scholar, but I can't help but to wonder how many of our problems with disaffected people in the Middle East are caused not by religion, but by Western nations' willingness to exploit the resources of Arab nations. Let us not forget that it was the Westerners who drew the boundaries of that part of the world in the first place. And let us not forget that we were the ones who put Saddam Hussein into power. And we were the ones who put the Shah of Iran into power. And as the old adage proclaims, chickens come home to roost. And sometimes they do. Take any injustice in the world today, wherever it may be, and there's a price that needs to be paid, that must be paid, because that's the price, that's the promise of Scripture. God hates injustice, wherever it occurs. So let me tell you something, folks. If you're being bullied at school, God knows about it, and God hates it. And if you are being harassed in the workplace for any reason at all, God hates it. If you're being taken advantage of, or if you are unfairly taking advantage of someone else, there will be a day of reckoning for that. 
And if there is anyone anywhere praying for God to intervene and to put an end to their oppression, eventually that prayer will be heard. And that which is wrong will be set right. Because that is the promise of Scripture. So, where does that leave us now? Well, let me tell you a story. A young black man asked his minister one day why their people had to suffer so much poverty and hardship and oppression in their lives. Why doesn't God do something, he cried. And the wise old pastor said, he has. He has created you. And so Desmond Tutu, who is now the Archbishop of South Africa and was a driving force to end apartheid in his land, became the answer to his own question. And I think that's a good lesson for you and for me as well. While we are waiting for God to bring in a perfect and just society, you and I are God's answers to the injustices of this world. That's what it means to take up a cross and follow Jesus. It's not a comfortable place to be. It's not a very popular place to be. But it is Christ's way. And because it is Christ's way, it must also be our way. My friends, we're not talking about the broad way here as Jesus talked about the easy way. We're talking about the narrow way that Jesus bids us to follow. The way of the cross. For you see, we are the answer. And anywhere people are being mistreated, and anywhere people have needs that are not being met, we are to be God's hands reaching out to them with love and with, and with compassion. Jim Wallace tells about a group of Christians who are doing their part. It's a Saturday morning. The food line had formed outside of the Sojourners Neighborhood Center. It's just one and a half miles from the White House in Washington, D.C. 300 families stood in line to receive a bag of groceries, which was critical to getting them through the week. And just before the doors were opened and all the people came in, all of those who had helped to prepare these bags of groceries joined hands to say a prayer. The prayer was offered by a lady named Mary Glover. She was a 66-year-old black woman who knows what it means to be poor. She knows how to pray. She's been carrying on a conversation with God many, many years. And, and first she thanks God for another day. Another day to serve you, Lord. And then on that day, Wallace says that he'll never forget the words that she prayed next. She said, Lord, we know that you'll be coming through this line today. So, Lord, help us to treat you well. My friends, that is how we are to look at life. Wherever we see injustice or need of any kind, we are to understand that it is Jesus who is being victimized. And we're to do something about that. In the Gospel of Matthew, he has us asking the question, Lord, when, we, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked? When did we see you in prison? And the Master answered, when you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. My friends, that's what the story of the persistent widow is really all about. She was looking for justice. And justice is what God wants for all people everywhere. And so it's my prayer today for all of us that we may be people of the cross and that we may stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond today in whatever way God leads you to respond. We're going to sing today hymn number 611, Let Your Heart Be Broken. There may be someone who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, the Lord of justice. 
Maybe you've never done that before. And it's time to give your life to that type of a life that God calls us to give. Or perhaps you have uh, been a Christian for a long time, but, uh, but maybe you're seeing that maybe your life has not been quite so just. And you're following a way that is contrary to the way of the Lord. It may be time to get that straight as well. Perhaps you're looking for a church to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church as we seek together to be the people of God and to do the things that God calls us to do and to follow the ways of God to the best of our ability. We're not perfect, but we're trying. With God's grace, we're, we're coming along. If God is dealing in your heart in any way today, we invite you to come forward today as we sing together 611. Let your heart be broken. Would you come? And now as we go from here, may we be steadfast and immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because we know that in the Lord our labor is never in vain. May we not turn a blind eye to the injustice that surrounds us, but instead have a keen eye that we may be God's instruments to set right the things that are wrong. For we are called to be God's people, and we are called to following God's way. Go with us, O God. Strengthen us in your name. Amen.